Welcome, everybody. It's Steve and William again on your favorite podcast, Who Am I? And today we're going to speak on another topic that is uh, a big topic in mental health and goes along a lot with the last episode on uh, depression. And today the topic will be on anxiety and fear. And again, in a medical context, not just everyday fears, uh, afraid of missing the bus or afraid of uh, making a fool of yourself. Those can be serious fears, but yeah, they again. Spark, yeah, they, they usually spark two serious fears. Like the, 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 it's amazing again how a little fear, again, of even missing a bus or yeah, those kind of things can then use the word you know, this popular at the moment, trigger. They can trigger, can spark some serious uh, reaction. So it's, it's right. a fear, fear itself is a, I find is a incredible concept that we just haven't even scratched the surface of understanding in our societies, our cultures, because I don't think we realize the impact it has. Like, you know, we don't spend days going, okay, how does my fear control me? How does it, it's not taught to consciously understand fear. It is now slowly getting that way because of how obvious it can be now with everyone really struggling with anxiety, you know? I guess we could probably start with talking about personal experiences maybe. Yeah, definitely. Um, the first personal example I, I could think of is uh, my career coach likes to tell me that when I have a fear and it's not just a, a one minute fear, but it's like a fear that, I, that goes on for several days and might even give me uh, nightmares, uh, I need to figure out what exactly I'm afraid of. And, and so this is, this is not a therapist, it's a, it's a career coach. And um, he says this, this signal is useful because it's the, the big next step that you need to take to progress in your career. And so I, I always like those positive interpretations. Uh, same with stress or all these other feedback signals that your body gives you. They might feel terrible you might want to avoid them, but actually they're there for a good reason. And if you learn to deal with them well, then you can make a lot of progress, uh, learn more about yourself and overcome obstacles more quickly. Yeah, they talk about um, an optimum level of stress for each individual. Right. So like if you don't have enough stress, again, stress is a, not a negative or a positive, just a uh, catalyst or a... Uh, feeling then if you don't have enough of that you don't do anything you just kind of mm. become idle or you don't have the motivation to push you because you're not even worrying about it or thinking about it but then if you get and then you get to the point where okay that's enough that's a good amount and you you become quite productive it, it, you, become, you can become very productive in it pushing you and as you say turning it into a sort of a positive scenario um and then you have the next stage which is horrific and horrible and that's where it becomes like the fear and anxiety takes over and it's so much stress that your body and mind will explode implode and all sorts of difficult physical mental health stuff happens yeah um, i remember uh using words like feeling uh petrified like uh when i was writing um academic stuff and I would think ahead to the reviewing process 
So there will be three anonymous, three anonymous reviewers who will uh, not grade what I'm writing, but um, write a feedback. Oh yeah, actual grading, if you think about it, uh, giving me points uh, from one to five, I think it was. And just thinking of the prospect of being denied or just evaluated in general was too much for me at a certain time and would get me totally tensed up and not being able to, to be creative, to even be optimistic, you know, hope for this to work out or to be able to deal with the um, disappointment when it doesn't, you know, because in academia, you just keep trying until uh, some conference or uh, magazine accepts your paper or article. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the feeling of rejection is a very, I guess not great, great strong word, but very impacting, impactful. Um, thing when it comes to anxiety like and very common right yeah like whether it's with like work or relationships friendships uh again like you say in academia myself with my writing that i've done um it took years to be able to just go meh if someone writes a bad review um and by bad review i mean like a a non-constructive because again reviews that are constructive and tell mm. me that my work is bad or not as good as it could be that's helpful that's beneficial but just if someone's being a troll it, and or being insensitive and being cruel then it's very harsh not to take it personally it's amazing how you can have a thousand different people say something's amazing and good and all it takes is one person to just ruin all that because we for some reason we focus and put more effort energy on trying to please everyone and therefore if one person isn't pleased or happy or enjoy a scenario it just, yeah, it makes us crumble. I mean, yeah. I, don't personal, I don't know if it's a personal experience, we'll go to the biology of this, because well, first, so how, like, there's lots of different things we can talk about, I guess. And in my head, I'm like, well, we should probably go back to fight and flight concepts. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm sure you probably know a bit about that, or quite a lot about that at all. Fight, flight, or freeze, right? Okay, yes, that's a good, yeah, see, yeah, there we go. Or because freeze is what I just described. Uh, yeah feeling petrified, not being able to do anything. Um, but yeah, be, before therapists came up with freeze, there was only fight or flight. Okay, uh, I mean, I, they just bracketed freeze in uh, flight because sure. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mental runaway rather than a physical runaway, I guess. Yeah. But it's good to break that out and definitely have it as a third. I like that. I never actually really thought of that before. That's good. But did you want to get into the physical side? Because that's also um, yeah. obvious. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So uh, some, some scientists uh, relate this problem back to times when man had to decide whether he would fight the wild animal head on, you know, hunt or uh, flee. And it, we don't have to go back to the, to whatever, stone ages or so to make sense of this. Uh, we have challenges all the time. Um, so if I'm interested in a girl, and she's surrounded with all her girlfriends, I will not feel comfortable yeah. approaching her and uh, trying to, to build a, a friendship uh, and make a contact. Uh, and so I would uh, rather flee when I see her in that protected <laughs> surrounding. <laughs> um, but, but when she's on her own, it's more like a, an innocent lamb who, who can be, <laughs> who can be um, 
talk to hunt, hunted by a lion or whatever you know? <laughs> it's uh oh, it's, what a metaphor what you know, a metaphor. i know it's just a metaphor but you, you can tell quickly how um that is apt um and the concept yeah. the principle is the same yes the biological principle is the same where you are putting yourself in an uncomfortable environment depending on again if there is a feeling of threat again by the lots of people or lack of threat by there just being one person in the past in um hunter gatherer times um yeah it was required to make that snap decision if you if you spend too much time thinking about it you're likely gonna die like okay <laughs> you know the bear that you're going you're st like the bear that you've just seen like okay is it small enough that you could maybe try and like get a shot at it and hunt it or do you need to leg it and run if you spend too much time thinking about that the bear's going to sniff you out and then you're dead so yeah, that's a good point the, the the need for a very quick automatic decision explains how we um unconsciously make the decision whether to flee or fight so um the i think the blood will will drain to your legs uh when you need to flee so that and you have all the energy you need yeah. in your legs to to run yeah um and like it'd be long, it'd be lungs, heart, and yeah, it'd be internal and yeah, right, stuff like that. So that's very interesting, and it's uh, important to become aware of those things when you are dealing with uh, serious anxiety. Yeah, again, relating, relating to the modern day problem is that we so in the past you would be familiar with it, you'd be constantly familiar with how this process works the fight or flight, the anxiety, the fear, and how it affects you again when hunting or. Or in again, or finding a mate, you know, or dating that kind of scenario, you'd be familiar with that in the you know thousands of thousands of years ago. Now we live in a society where we don't experience it. As a child, your you, the biggest fear you have is a scraped knee. It's not dying, like mm -hmm. you, it's not the threat of a um, wild beast or another tribe coming and killing you. That's not there. Whereas in the past, it would have been, and therefore, even even not that long ago, you know. Even, you know, a thousand years ago, you know, people were still, um, you know, the dark ages and stuff, you still had that threat of a lot of threats around. And you would therefore you would experience it enough that perhaps, um, you know, it didn't affect, maybe didn't affect society the way it does now, I don't think. Again, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But yeah. I just think it's a major problem now because as you, as you get, older I guess you experience certain fears and you have a choice and the generic option for society is the easy option we always promoted to be comfort blankets soft cuddly and that is a good at times you know it's not wrong but we also have to learn to face our fears to push ourselves because if you don't and this is personal experience here is you just reinforce the anxiety so that fear, where it's fight or flight. So for me, in the past, it's definitely flight. It's definitely run away from a situation or freeze. It's definitely, I don't like this. I shouldn't have to deal with this, run away. But then over time, your brain connects all the different um, patterns and any situation you don't like, you run away from. Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's clarify something uh, before uh, we have a misunderstanding. When you say fight, uh, and use it in a modern context are you saying that you uh, face your fear and you work to overcome the obstacle or 
does it mean you are trying to eliminate the source of the fear? Like when someone uh, offends you, do you, do you cuss them out or do, do you attack them? Is, yeah. is that the fighting we're talking about? Yeah, that's, that's the more like, um, I guess the aggression fighting coming from the pr from a primitive reaction of, again, a physical and emotional and mental, I guess, projection of the self to eliminate the threat okay. in an in a aggressive fighting way. So whether that is, um, yeah, shouting some a situation down, because again, you see it, you see it in, in relationships, you see it in couples where um, one person is upset by something. And again, if they storm off, or they start shouting the other person down. Mm -hmm. Like that is, that is a prime example of okay. how Great. it works. That, so that tells me that neither of those options are good and healthy, right? Not so in that context. No. What, would be, what would be a healthy uh, reaction? For today's society, is, is actually the t thinking about it. Ah. Again, in the, in, the, in the past, and again, this is just opinions, it's just viewpoints. There are many different options and signposting ways to do these things. It's just, my, I guess, my own viewpoint. By thinking about the threatening situation, you mean like being rational, uh, not letting your, your subconscious and your muscles and your um, hind brain, uh, your monkey brain, do all the deciding, right? Yeah, it doesn't, it, very rarely does it need to be an instinctive reaction anymore. Mm -hmm. Like there's very rare situations that you need to run away or to be aggressive. You, we can just process it and think, how does this like which choice do I need to make? Because yeah. something like in a, in a certain scenarios, yeah, you do need to say you're in a toxic relationship or something and you need to get out. So you need to process that and run away, like leave that scenario and find the courage to use that fear of um, like stress, I guess, to push you to leave. Um, yeah. I would say in a toxic relationship, uh, fleeing is avoiding any confrontation with your partner and just accepting it the way it is. And fighting would be <laughs> fighting with your partner uh, <laughs> and just trying to be in the right all of the time. And then obviously yeah. there are different interpretations for uh, fight okay, and flight. It depends, yeah, it's very complex, isn't it? As you say, the interpretations and the context yeah. dramatically. I'm just trying to use the little experience I have uh, yeah. to put myself in, in that situation. And then the rational thing would be, okay, why are we in this mess? You know, thinking for yourself, because often if you've gotten this far in a bad relationship, then, then talking about it uh, will not be a viable option. Yeah. Um, if it is, then great. <laughs> But yeah. often, um, I guess, um, yeah. There's no, there's no um, mutual agreement you can come to. Yeah. I, I, so I just came to my brain there. I think someone once asked me what's the opposite of fear. Mm -hmm. And like, I think, and I was like, to, um, I don't know, what was, what was the opposite of, is it hope and faith? Oh, I'm not getting this wrong. Hang on a second. So the first uh, word that comes to my mind is courage, like the lion yeah. in uh, oh, Dorothy. Yeah. yeah. And like, this, like, so the opposite, yeah. So opposite of, sorry, I'm getting myself confused. Because there's despair and there's hope. Right. And there's fear and courage. So yeah. 
yeah. and I think that those things get mixed up a few times. So, like, if you're trying to be hopeful for a, for a situation, um, I guess fear can override that and despair can take place. Um, can you make an example? <laughs> if you get disappointed or something. Well, let's, let's, again, let's say books, my, my, again, personal experience. Mm -hmm. Let's say I, I hope for to become, you know, earn enough money from writing that I can uh, live off that and then keep hoping for it. And every time I, you know, an agent replies, my hope is so high, I get disappointed and then it just goes to the absolute despair and what's the point and I'm never going to be able to achieve this. Mm -hmm. I'm a loser, blah, 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 blah. All those kind of anxious, anxious, like fearful thoughts, I guess. And then that, that, that leads to the anxiety then, because then you're, every time you get an email, you're constantly then on edge. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess, with your academic stuff, I probably where it's like, because you're thinking about that negative, you're already ready for a, you're already in that mindset of having anxiety, I guess. Yeah, on edge is a good way to put it. It's like there is only extreme. So it's, it, the result is either extremely good or extremely bad. And that is, it sounds a lot like black and white thinking. Have you heard of that term? Yeah. In psychology, yeah. when uh, there's no gray, there's no compromise, there's no in-between, all or nothing. And that is not healthy because, yeah, it's like fight or flight. <laughs> Either you get what you set out to do perfectly or you just lay off entirely. Yeah. And so that is a pretty unhealthy way to live. Yeah. It's, us it's using them as a, again, it's, try it's trying to, again, it's, it's lots of like CBT out there, like cognitive behavioral therapy, mm -hmm. lots of therapies, lots of like meditation, um, uh, mindfulness, all these different things to help, try to help us as individuals harness, I guess, the power of fear, um, the power of the mind um, in a specific anxiety situation we're talking about, where when you get, start to be afraid of something, you, you're able to, as you say, consciously decide what choice to make, I guess. So what is it like when you cannot get in control of the oh. situation consciously? What, what is it? Can you describe that no, feeling? If you, want, if, if you want the extreme side of that, it's, it's death. You feel like you're gonna die. So the, like panic attack. So if you're having an absolute mm -hmm. panic attack and fear. So again, I guess, <laughs> even though we talked about personal experience at the start and never, I didn't recover too much. I guess now, um, linking that to the, like now with personal experience, I, so in 2010, when the health stuff first kicked in, um, I was basically so fatigued and I guess exhausted that all sorts of chemicals were kicking off inside my body and brain and panic attacks were the most obvious scenario that was happening. And I would got to the point where I, you know, I had no idea what was going on. Like no one was really saying, this is what it is. This is how you deal with it. This is um yeah what's going on i generally thought i was dying like i literally like heart like tensed chest tensed i was getting so i was hypoventilating and i only found out that term a few years ago where instead of hyperventilating i would hypoventilate mm -hmm. and my arms would get pins and needles and then go numb i couldn't feel my face my legs would right. go numb and it's just do these things would perpetuate the fear mm -hmm. it's like it's like what's going on like it just it spirals out of control because you have no anchor to hold on to and figure out what's going on um 
and yeah, you, yeah, you feel like, okay, this is it. I'm done. Like my, for some, whatever's happening, my body is going to die. And then you either, I guess, in certain situations pass out and then your body figures itself out, starts mm-hmm. breathing again, or you let, you distract yourself. That became the, the main thing that I do now and have done in the past mm-hmm. is comedy. Like I just shove on something that's stupid and funny when I f- feel these things happening and I f- focus on that and it, takes away the conscious because you start to consciously focus on your breathing and then you get it all wrong and for me anyway again it's my way of doing things and if i find something that distracts then my body will just do it itself eventually it'll regulate itself some people need meditation and mindfulness to actually focus on their breathing mm-hmm. figure it out and get it back to normal whereas i need the opposite i need to be able to not think about it and okay. let it just do its thing yeah um, i can't say i've been in in that bad of a situation with a panic attack um, but one one particular time I, I was out of control. I mean, um, I I didn't have all those physical uh, experiences, but I just didn't know what was going to happen the next minute. Uh, I didn't know what was the point of everything, <laughs> basically. And so I called someone and, and he said he would visit me the next day and, and talk things over and just told me that it's not as bad as you think. Yes. <laughs> and just hearing that was like, um, I know you're wrong, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess it helps to just imagine that what you're saying is, is right. Um, but on another note, you reminded me of the, some of the biofeedback that I learned to regulate yourself. Like you said, if that's even possible in your situation. Yeah. And so I would sweat and maybe hyperventilate, uh, but definitely tense up in my shoulders, in my back, um, because that is the, what you do, you know, you yeah. exhaust energy, you, you're ready to fight, I guess, or you are just in an emergency situation. Yeah. And then when, you, when your brain notices those signals, those physical signals, conscious or not, um, it starts to believe the threat even more strongly. Yeah. And, and that is a, a perpetuating cycle or reinforcing cycle. And so, yeah, breathing is a very common, very popular way of breaking the cycle because um, hyperventilating is giving your brain and your muscles and your organs more oxygen than they would need in a... Um, quiet situation Um, and then so slowing down your breathing will tell your body no you don't need all this oxygen because you're actually not in a dangerous situation so sometimes you have to go from the outside in which is very unintuitive for me since I'm a very uh, theoretical person you know I live in the mind more than in the body but that is something that helped me a lot at the time and now fortunately i don't need to think of my breathing and my body as much but of course the body is still closely linked to um, anxiety situations now and being aware will help you with diet with exercise anything like that so if if people do have experience with needing to consciously think about your body for diet and exercise can maybe imagine what it's like to get out of a a downward spiral 
um, in mental health because it's that like times a hundred or more. Yeah. And I think we talked. I think we talked about this in the last episode. I think it was with to do like again exposure therapy type thing where you mm. put yourself in scenarios. Uh, maybe it's a different one. I can't remember. But um, so like if again for me. Um, the way I actually broke out of my um, anxiety spirals was in 2015-16. I, um, I was, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, like what could I do to stop being so afraid of even just going outside? Because that's the point it got to. It got to the point where even being around social situations, being around people, would just trigger an anxiety attack. Agoraphobia, is that the word? I, I think, well, I think, of, I think of Agora is just outside open spaces. Okay. Mine was more people, I think. It was more social anxiety, where it's just like, I was afraid of people's reactions to scenarios. And mm. again, it, it just got irrational. It got, to, it got so um, far down the line that there wasn't even any rational behavior linking it. You know, it starts off with logical things like, okay, well, going out, well, semi-logical, going outside, you know, you can you know, be hit by a bus or you can, you know, uh, be jumped like by people and speed up whatever, you know, those um, are just in the back of your mind. But again, over time with other stuff, it just spiraled. Um, I guess, uh, again, there's a lot, it's a lot deeper than that. Again, fear of being mocked or fear of being like not accepted by people. Like if I can't understand my own health problems, people aren't going to understand them. So why should I bother going outside and sit being with people because they're just going to reject me because I'm a weird, like, cause I've got weird health problems and blah, blah, blah. Again, way more complex. But the way I got through it was again, pushing it was going, I, I, I basically started a board game group. That was my way of doing it. It was and a few other things was go on Facebook, uh, find a local, just like geek sci-fi group, See if all people want to go play board games. People did, and then over the course of months, months of panic attacks, months of trauma, almost, but positive. So it was like I'd go along, I would absolutely be terrified of the situation. So we'd sit in the cafe, just me and a few other people, and basically feeling the adrenaline pump around me, making sure I was breathing, chatting away, trying to just be trying to focus on being okay and not like having a freak out. But sometimes I did, sometimes I did. And sometimes I said, I said to them, look, I'm having a difficult time. I need to go home now. And they were amazing. People generally are incredible. We forget and don't give them enough credit that actually 90% of people are actually amazing and lovely and kind. And so, you know, they go, okay, cool. Just take care of yourself. Or do you need a lift home or blah, blah. And over the course of a few months, years, the confidence I have now, is incredible the difference and it, it and that's because step by step baby step little by little in my own time in my own way made sure i focused on the success so instead of when i let's say halfway through the evening at like a board games night i felt too much anxiety it was becoming too much i tried sticking with it but i had to go home i would go, i wouldn't focus on the oh i have to go home i would focus on the well done you were amazing you made it out for half a night this is way more than you could do six months ago or whatever. This is incredible. You're fantastic. All these positive reinforcements. And yeah, over time, those positive reinforcements make it now that I can like add the games group. You people turn up. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Um, I'm Steven. I, you know, I 
kind of run this a little bit, blah, blah. Do you want me to introduce to people? What games do you like? And just have that confidence. Because in the past, I could not talk, like I'd have, people had to almost approach me. And, and if I did approach others, I would be absolutely terrified. Now, it's fine, but that's taken years of practice and experience. So, and pushing, which is why I think, again, I think that a lot of people struggle with it because all it takes is a couple of times of relapse, I guess, and you're back to square one. And that's why it's so difficult. That's why the anxiety is such a big thing. Um, Sounds like you're in charge of the board game group now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, luckily it runs itself now. Mm -hmm. Um, It does just run itself, but it does need someone to kind of keep just monitor a few things. Yeah, that's why I kind of take taken on that responsibility. Isn't it crazy, though, that... I don't know, 10 years ago, you were confident and able to go to meetings, groups, yeah. uh, dances even, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then, so, then, then yeah. Out, no, yeah, 10 years ago, I could do that. Then, bam, anxieties kick in, couldn't do those things anymore. And then, like, almost had to completely relearn. Yeah. Social. That, that's so tough for me, uh, just trying to remember, like, who was I? Because... I, it's, it's so easy to identify with the anxiety and think that is me, but yes. no, I used to be very different. I used to be very confident and comfortable. And so I need to, I want to get back there. I don't want to be exactly the same way I was, um, yeah. but I want to get some things back. And so I think it's a challenge, but very important to me to not become angry at the regression, you know, at, at the loss of yes. a lot of these things the and, and the patience necessary to, to get back there. But yeah, um, I also try to confront the fear. Um, doing a podcast is an example. Yeah. Um, we, if I were absolutely comfortable doing this, I would do it a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, on average, we manage about one episode per month. Yeah. And then traveling. I used to be very afraid of losing my way, uh, public transport, just orientation in general. I used to be bad at it and, and just very inexperienced. But then I just, in the last five years or so, I just kept challenging myself, going to a new country without knowing a word of the language, without having any of the currency, just wow. booking the flights and the hostel room and then figuring things out whenever else. Because if I would overthink it, I would never go through with it so just do the minimum and then go and then maybe make some screenshots of important parts of the map in the airport when it's too late to go back anyway (laughs) that was my strategy sometimes (laughs) i think i think that's a good point you made in the sense that often you have to go from one extreme to the other and then balance it back Mm -hmm. so like so we've gone through the absolute fear and anxiety then you've gone to just do it without even really giving overthinking it so that you can build that confidence of yeah i did it well done go me so so the anxiety doesn't stop you doing it and then i think that over time you then become confident and you're able to apply um i guess a more safer way you know sometimes it does require a little bit of like checking like but then actually 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 having said that i quite enjoy just going and doing Mm -hmm. without even like checking things like my um, friend of mine, um, she she's in the overthinking stage sometimes a lot of her life, and whereas I've gone through that, gone to the 
just don't think about things and do, and then trying to find a balance. But the just about just doing things, the impulsive is really refreshing to me to be able to do that. Cause I look at how, like, myself in the past and overthinking things, to then just being like, just, the, just go and do, because actually the worst scenario possible isn't that bad. The actual logical worst case scenario, not the 0.001% chance a meteor is going to hit me in the face. Mm. And oh no, it's terrifying. But the actual like logical, okay, I may be like lost for a day or something and have to find a place to stay in the evening, um, spend a bit of money to work that out and then go home. Whatever. That's like, whatever. That, that's not a bad, like, it's not yeah. all that bad. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, but you mentioned some interesting things there. Uh, probabilities um, is something I heard once from a therapist. Um, you, when you have this all or nothing, black or white, extreme thinking, there's just zero or one, there's no in between, but actually there are tons of possible um, paths or outcomes um, or events, and they each have a little bit of probability. So what can you do to minimize the probability for negative events and maximize the probability for positive events? And maybe you don't have to do anything. Maybe the odds are already good enough. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously this isn't very natural thinking. I, I think a lot of this is unconscious when, yes, we do have many possibilities in mind and have a rough estimate of their probabilities. We're not all mathematicians, so we, <laughs> we don't work that way every day. Uh, but yeah. I think there's something similar to that in our unconscious mind. So that is a lot more healthy and rational than just that, that tiny percentage of a disaster. Yeah. And and the rest is all good. I once yeah. uh, missed a flight from London back home to Germany and because it was EasyJet and I didn't want to wait around and I thought I could push it. And apparently I pushed it too far or, or they were suddenly on time, which was very unusual. Anyway, um, I had stayed a few nights with a friend in London and then I missed my flight. And so I started to panic. I was already th through the uh, security check-in, uh, the security, yeah, just security is yeah, what I usually yeah. call it, um, in the secure part, yeah, the place where you don't have your weapons on you anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've had them all in, yeah. Yeah, I, I left them in the bin on the way in, anyway. Um, <laughs> I was in there and I thought, oh no, what am I going to do? I've never been in this situation. Um, and so I just sat down and I thought, okay, there are seats here for people waiting. And then I started to analyze my situation, you know, becoming rational, just like we said earlier. I thought to myself, I'm in the European Union. So this was before the, the yeah, break. But... Um, I have friends around, I have their numbers, my phone is charged, I have cash on me, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm going to manage somehow. Yeah. There are some unknowns here. For example, how do you get out of a secure, airport place without flying uh, that was uh, a first for me so i just told yeah. someone who who looked like they were wearing a uniform um yeah and then me and actually two others who were in a, in a similar situation then were picked up and escorted back through a part of the airport that you usually don't see um i'm not sure what there was nothing special um yeah. back into the outside 
of the secure area. And I just rebooked the same flight for the day late, uh, one day later. It wasn't cheap, but okay. Then I called the friend that I had stayed with. Can I stay one more night? Yes, fine. Great, yeah. okay. <laughs> but, but for that one moment, I thought, ah, everything's going haywire. I don't know what to do. I'm lost. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about, um, you mentioned about, you know, finding someone that you can chat to who knows how this situation works. So can therefore, like, again, someone that works there in that situation, but life's like that. Life is like finding, you know, find people that either empathize, have compassion, accept, or have knowledge to help you through a situation. Like, I look back, like, actually, I'll talk about this. This is probably a bit personal, but um, he won't mind. My brother, one of my brothers, um, started having panic attacks for the first time last year. And because of what I'd experienced, I was able to help him through it at a much faster pace. You know, he had to do it himself, obviously. It's his own process in his own ways. There are, again, no right or wrongs. It's just how we go through it ourselves. But you can be guided. Someone can hold your hand. Someone can teach you different signposting ways, you know, distraction, breathing, point you towards yoga, meditation, all that kind of stuff, which I did. Um, and I'm glad that the hell that I went through was able to help him because if he hadn't have had that, it would have taken him years and years and years, like it took me years and years and years. And he was in a much more difficult situation. He had five kids mm. and other stuff going on where he needed to get through it as quickly as possible, where he, could, he didn't, you know, it wasn't uh, as, there's more consequences to the situation when I was going through it. You know, it was still hell for me, but it was just me. You know, it affected the family a little bit, well, actually quite a lot at different times. But it was my issue, and yeah, it didn't directly affect anyone else negatively. Um, whereas in that situation, yeah, when you've got five kids and your mental health is breaking down, then it's a very different scenario. And so, yeah, I, if any of anyone listening, or if you know anyone that's going through stuff, yeah, like point them towards help, different scenarios, let them um know that they're not alone there are people out here that are going through the exact same thing who can again not teach us in a patronizing way but you know just share experiences right and hopefully um those experiences will be of some benefit i guess yeah i think you need to be careful uh because a, a mentally ill person might not want help uh, they might even be in the denial stage where they don't see that they need help. Yes. And they yeah, think they're cool. strong enough, they can make it, just give them more time, more resources, whatever. And so you can actually make the situation worse when you are trying to, I'm just trying to help, but <laughs> no, yes. whatever you're doing, stop it because it's just making things worse. So I've been in That's that situation. Very true. Very true. But yeah. uh, maybe among siblings, uh, it's easier. I don't know. But I guess it could be harder in various situations, but I like I what you said about um, um, telling stories about your own experiences, and then the other person is free to apply yes. that story to themselves or not. Yeah, that way you're not saying you should and you have to. And yeah, can't you see that you're just saying, No, I was once in a situation, and I don't know if this relates to you at all. <laughs> yeah, that's the, exactly you're spot, obviously spot on. Like, just again, sharing experience so yeah, the person can just go, like, okay, 
Again, like I always say to people, there is again, there's no right or wrong path in these scenarios. It's just whatever works for you as an individual. Yeah, and it's it's learning as many things. Are you frozen? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm back. Lag there a bit. It does that sometimes. Okay, and it's it's making sure that there are as many um, options available to that individual that they Mm -hmm. can pick and choose from which works for them, and they might find something new. They might find something that works for them that, um, that like myself or and other, other people haven't thought of and then can share that experience and we add it to our repertoire. And like the board game group is a prime example of that where people come and they are, they, they, say, they say to me, they're like, like I, I've, I've spent weeks and weeks and weeks wanting to come along to this, but I'm socially anxious and I'm scared. And, but I came along and this worked for me. And you, like, you and other people were so welcoming and it was lovely. And, you know, you shared your experiences and um, it's given me some more confidence. And now, like, I feel more confident to other people about this. And then they'll share their experience of what helped them. And it's like, it's, it's amazing how, again, simple thing, a simple thing can help. Was that just from um, your perspective? Or were you uh, talking about other people going through the same process in that board game group? Sorry, other people like lot. There's lots. If half, if not more, of every of people in the group, hmm. about six, sixty plus people, um, have set, have mentioned that they sort of suffer from like struggle with some sort of either anxiety or depression or mental health related um, condition, whatever you want to call it, um, and the being able to come to a group that is no stress. The board game, you, you just have fun, you don't have to talk about anything. There's no, it's not like a sit around and let's talk about our problems. It's a, let's just have some fun. Yeah. And then you become friends and share experiences and stuff. And such a simple thing. We always think there has to be some massive cure. We always think, oh, not always, but often we think there must be one giant thing that can solve this situation. Mm-hmm. And often it's just the little things like that. Yeah. And opening up. Uh, telling things in confidence will come naturally if you do have that trust. So it, yeah, that's really nice. Uh, I don't know if I've been in a, in a group like that, that meets regularly, but your story reminds me of the last maybe half year of my time in Edinburgh. The people I have stayed in contact with the most and that I um, had the closest connection with in, in Scotland were those that connected with me towards the end of my time there because we could speak about uh, mental illness and obviously also other things. You know, I had, I didn't know that it could be fun to hang out with them. I, I just uh, spent more time with, I don't know, other students, but, but then towards the end, other mentally ill people. And so it's really interesting how those friendships mean more to me now in retrospect. Yeah. Because we were just there for each other. We didn't have any cure. We just had uh, empathy. Yeah. Um, so it's really nice when you get that chance, like you were saying with your brother. Um, since I always like to end serious topics on a positive note, uh, one of the positive things that comes from uh, personal experience with mental illness is the ability to uh, understand others better who are going through something similar at least. Yeah. And uh, maybe that person doesn't want your help for now, um, but some people will. 
and then really nice friendships can result from that. Yeah, the, yeah. the connections are beautiful. Like they, they are beautiful. Like I've, I've got lifelong friends because, not because of, I mean, we would have probably been friends anyway, but stronger friendships because of our personalities, but also because, as you say, the empathy, the understanding, the compassion, the acceptance, the lack of judgment. It's just beautiful. It, it connects, connects us and it's um, the emotions, I guess, the emotions of caring for each other. And that's, we need more of that in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine there's no other way than making uh, your own experiences that way um, to, to get that type of understanding for someone else. Yeah. So, in a way, it's a gift. Uh, it's a terrible gift. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it does come with its um, upsides. Yeah. Once, once you're out, once you're through the worst of it, you know, that's when it becomes, you can turn it into your, both your armor and your weapon, as it were. Like, you can get through life so much better because you've gone through these experiences. And again, you can make stronger connections. Um, I had someone just last night actually say to me um, while we're messaging, um, like, you're always so kind and caring, and I don't understand how you can be that way. And I said to them, like, I was a kind, like, again, going back and looking back at my old self from my te late teens, early teens, teens, young adult, I was a lovely and kind person and very loving, but there was always a superficial element where without realizing I went to something in return I went to friendship back and so you know it's still good and it was still lovely but you know there was a blah blah, blah. there's another selfish element to it mm. um then I go through the health stuff and it was very easy to get angry because I couldn't be kind and loving and patient anymore because I was in pain and um didn't have the time to go and be with people and all that kind of stuff and became very could easily have become very bitter and angry that was the easy option. And for a while did. Then coming out the other side of it, I have become so much more, um, I, I think I understand love a lot better, love for people without wanting anything back. Because that's, again, like anxiety, mental health stuff, makes you go through a scenario where you, Again, it's so much fear about things with again the anxiety that you you understand the opposite as well somehow more. So you like again the fear, the courage. You understand courage more. You you you're sad, so you understand happiness more. Yeah. You're lonely, therefore you understand like love more. That kind of again, I'm not explaining it very well, but that kind of scenario. And I've chosen to over time to focus on that. And now if someone comes to me with problems and stuff, I, or just wanting a friendship, I don't expect things back the way I used to. Again, it wasn't conscious, it was like subconscious, just like, if someone treats me badly, I still love and adore them. I may not speak to them or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not a, it's a, again, it's a different kind of um, Scenario again. I'm doing a terrible job explaining. That, so, do you have a, a better, a deeper understanding for other people's behavior, like anger? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think again, it's it's seeing the person as a whole and the situation as a whole, 
and yeah. seeing that actually they're still a beautiful human being. They just have gone through different circumstances or dealing with different things at a different pace um, mm. in their own time. And again, react differently. So again, my response in the past would have been like flight responses. Theirs is just fight or um, it's just the same thing, but a different way. Their anger is just from fear. Mm-hmm. You know, Star Wars scenario here where, you know, uh, Yoda senses much fear in Anakin. You know, that's mm-hmm. um, the quote of leading, you know, fear leads to hatred, leads to anger, leads to dark side. And we can often just run away from the opposite. So those that are great, like a uh, fight, think that those that are in flight are weak and pathetic yeah. and they need to deal with it. And those that are uh, in flight tend to be softer and more gentle people and therefore think the other person's being aggressive and dominant and horrible. Where actually it's just coming from the same place of fear. And therefore we need to again, understand that to get that stronger connection so that we can help each other if, again, if that's how it's going to work. Um, yeah. Um, talking about opposites, uh, you reminded me of another positive that comes from having gone through mental illness, and that is appreciating health more. Because we take it for granted that, yeah. you know, my body works perfectly, my brain works perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it doesn't, you think, wow, I didn't know that I was that vulnerable and that, I, that all these things could break and yes. not work anymore. Yes. Again, again, and weirdly, it can, it can turn you bitter and re- angry and resentful, mm-hmm. or it can turn you into being compassionate, kind and loving towards, again, ourselves, because that's really important. Yeah. Like, um, we go through again anxiety or health physical mental health difficulties we could be so cruel to ourselves we could be so mean and so punishing like i should again another star wars quote here but i should be all powerful like i should be able to do these things mm-hmm. and like sometimes we can't and we have to be like actually you know what we're still doing amazing you know we look at our look at how much we do accomplish in such a short period of time we live on this earth but anywhere between you know a few seconds to a hundred plus years, the Earth's been around for millions of years. You know, in that small time, we do so much. We make so much connections. We make so much, like just go through so much as an individual consciousness, and in such a short period of time that we should be like every day being like, "Wow, we're doing yeah. amazing!" With <laughs> all these variables and external things that are just chaotic, and I'm like. I, again, I've only learned those things by going through the pain and the trauma and the, um, the bitterness at times to come out the other end and be like, hey, it's okay. I love, I love me and I love others more and learn to be gentle with myself um, in ways that bring happiness. Because again, that's you know, the Who Am I podcast and the Who Am I question. My goal is always to lead to happiness how can i make myself how can i find a a way to be to feel more at peace more serene more tranquil and more happy with no matter what happens no matter what situation happens in my life whether it's negative positive whatever that i'll still always be um as happy as i can be and i think that yeah going through these experiences actually teach us that if that makes sense without them i wouldn't be able to actually find and the level of happiness and resilience that I want.
Yeah, interesting. Um, to close out, um, let me ask you, who do you think this episode applies to? Uh, you know, we don't want to preach to people, but we do want to make people uh, more aware of themselves and their surroundings. Can you think of other everyday situations that uh, come about because of fear? So one example I have is procrastination. Okay. You know, yep. that's something that a lot of us experience and that is a form of fear or that is a, a result of fear because yep. if we can't do it perfectly, then we don't want to do it at all. That's often a cause for procrastination. Yeah. Okay. Or that's, that's a self-handicap. You, yeah. you make a task, uh, a possible, very possible task harder for yourself um, so that you have an excuse afterwards when you didn't go at it. Because then you say, well, it, it was impossible. This and that was the case. And therefore, it was the right thing for me not to try. Yeah. Whereas those were actually just constructs you made up yourself. That's that's deep. That is a very yeah. I like again. That's that's something I have to go away and process because I already thought of it like that before. In the, in the sense of that we sabotage it ourselves and mm -hmm. rationalize it, and give it a parameters. Excuse me, parameters. So I came up with this question it. to show people that everyone is in some way affected. Yes. Yeah, it's true. I, I was, as you, yeah, you asked the question. I was trying to think of specific situations where you know students, for example, or teenagers at school, or teenagers going through you know uh, mm -hmm. difficult times, or adults going through a breakup, or whatever. But as you say, it's everyone. There's yeah. a, no matter what situation we go through, there are two things that are generally similar, and that is, yeah, as you say, the fear is will be involved in it some way or another. Our thoughts and our feelings will be motivated in some way by a fear related response and two i think again maybe this is another topic for another time is grief mm -hmm. so often we're constantly going through a process of beginnings and endings and losses and gains and we just kind of often we just shrug through them and don't process them well enough mm. and that gets caught up in our psyche and causes a lot of psychological and emotional struggles and therefore, grief tends to be um, underlying in us because we haven't let go of scenarios. Um, and that can affect us emotionally. So, yeah, a good question yeah. at the end there. Everyone, everyone could definitely benefit from uh, learning more about fear and anxiety. I think so. Everyone has problems. And a huge portion of them are due to fear or other traumatic experiences in your past. I would also like to go in another episode into... Um, the the situation you were in as a small child when your value system and identity and expectations for being a man or a woman were um, created and uh, copied from your parents or other people that you had as an exemplar. And then I believe that's where a lot of this um, feeling comes from, not good enough or I have to achieve this or I'm a bad person or not valuable. Okay. So like where our expectations come from yeah. as an individual about like, ourselves. Like when, okay, you, cool. yeah. when you talked about all this positive um, self-talk, um, yeah. that is the opposite. You know, that is what we're missing. And so when should that have happened originally 
for us to have turned out perfectly healthy yeah. and, and loved and successful. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, just a thought. It doesn't have no, to be the next episode. No, that's brilliant. That's uh, again, that's very, very um, interesting topic. There's already already thoughts are sparking in my head. So that's that's cool. good. <laughs> good. Well, thank you. Um, I look forward to finally publishing more on yes. the podcast. It's uh, we had a break there for a while, but we're back and we're having we're still having fun at it. Yeah, we are. Um, we're still just amateurs, but I hope we can in some way reach someone who needed to hear this or know someone who needs to hear it. Um, that's the, I think the most rewarding part of doing this. So let yeah. us know on social media if you have any feedback. Um, let us know if you want us to discuss any uh, certain topics, um, any questions you might have. I would be interested to know what you would like us to discuss. Definitely. And you can always recommend people to interview as well, since I want to do more of that in the future. So come back soon. Until then, bye-bye. Yeah. Bye.